Hi, if you're just finding this podcast, my name is Dylan Shav, and I've been pretty obsessed with the coming metaverse for the last decade. Today, I'm joined by Eric Chan of TCG World. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dylan. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Um, so how did you get into the whole NFT and crypto space? Yeah, so um, just like a lot of other people, I started initially as an investor, uh, involved in a lot of different projects. And uh, fortunately, you know, still really early, uh, back in May of last year, there was a project called uh, TCG Coin, which actually did not initially start as a metaverse uh, play to earn project. It was actually a trading platform, actual uh, physical collectibles like uh, trade. That's the word TCG comes from trading card game, uh, such as um, Pokemon cards, Yu Gi Oh cards. And then um, shortly afterwards, uh, very much the concept of people wanted to do like a game involved around Pokemon. The concept of metaverse came around early June last year. And that's where the project came about. And at that time, uh, Primarily the Centerland was was really the main metaverse, but this is before Facebook rebranded rebranded to Meta and before it kind of got more mainstream attention. Because even at that time, when we first started, just June of last year, metaverse was a very foreign concept to a lot of people, and it was um yeah, it was not as even now it's, there's there's a barrier, but it's it's more accepted because of Facebook's rebranding. So, okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, so it originally started more along the lines of, I guess, Splinterlands and Axie Infinity with a a card game aspect. You're saying, but oh, but not a playing aspect, just a trading aspect. Is that how it originally started? Well, originally it was just um, a trading card platform, more or less okay. like an eBay for using crypto as the currency. Um, to trade collectibles. And oh, we so had a collectible S- marketplace. Oh, very cool. Yes. I didn't even know that. Fascinating, fascinating. So yeah. uh, then you made the pivot to actually starting to build out an actual metaverse platform. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll link some things below because I think it's a very cool art style you've gone for. It reminds me of early Second Life where I spent almost a decade back and forth. Um, so let, let's break it down because I, I tried to... Um, make a distinction between what I call play to earn games and metaverse platforms. And usually kind of for me, the yardstick is, um, is it like Illuvium or Axie Infinity where there's a principal game? If someone says to you, what's the point? You can tell them this is the game. Um, Or is it primarily a social platform with uh, many games or activities layered on? And I think, PCG World kind of is in the middle of both, right? I would say it's primarily a metaverse platform, but with a heavy emphasis on creating games. Let's talk about that. And you hit it on the dot, Dylan, like, man, you've definitely done your research beforehand. I really appreciate that you already knew coming in that, yes, we are a metaverse platform, open world, but with also a lot of play to earn mechanics, where I think this is where we can differentiate with maybe some of the lead competitors now. So first off, we are a metaverse platform. We have 100,000 public investor pots, and we also have four different regions with commercial pots. We have our Asia, North, Forest, and East regions. And so we already uh, kind of onboarded a lot of strategic partners, uh, crypto companies, uh, you know, and communities, NFT projects. Um, even we're talking to entertainers, celebrities, um, you know, in the space. And so there's a, just a lot of any, any, anyone that can, you know, pretty much create a business uh, and leverage uh, the whole metaverse, virtual world, virtual economy. But then we have um, the play to earn aspect. And so 
in our tokenomics, we already have a wallet. Uh, we have a 280 million supply of tokens and um, they're all circulating or they're all minted pretty much. And so there's 30 million already separated, allocated for our play to earn economy for the first three years. So as of right now, a million tokens are gonna to be allocated into our ecosystem once we go live every month. And depending on the price of the token, let's just say it's a dollar, that's potentially a million in the ecosystem. If it's $10 a token, that's 10 million, so on and so forth. And a lot of different mechanics. Uh, so we have our own version of mining where there's these crystals and you have this little pick where you break the crystals. So that, that's more of a, hold on. So let, let's take a pause over there. So, um, you know, someone's been saying to me, play and earn, which is a, a new term that I like. You know, it's just a, a slight differentiation from play and earn. But I like it more because, uh, you know, when CryptoKitties and stuff came out, let's face it, they were, they were very boring, right? People were only kind of breeding them because of, the monetary value, right? They were like, wow, if I breed these, I can, I can get a great price. And then I think now we're starting to enter the era where some of these are pretty fun. Uh, even some of the basic ones are pretty fun. Uh, you know, you see on OpenSea a lot of these kind of new pixel drops where the game mechanics are pretty fun, even if the graphics are low. So let's, let's break this down. So there is a limited supply of land and a limited supply of coins. Is that correct? All the land has already been minted? So no, so we've uh, at to this point where we're still in pre-sale and uh, we sold about 22,000. Uh, so almost a quarter of our plots of the 100,000 public plots. Okay, so, how, so, so, so let's put that together. So these public plots, are they all interconnected or are they like private islands? They're all private, privately owned. So the, the commercial plots are leased, but the public are, uh, they're all private entities. So if you purchase one, it's uh, your, 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 your plot to own. You own right, but I'm saying, is it, is it physically like next to other people's plots so that if you if someone were to uh, gamify their plot and allow the public to enter, could you have a seamless experience where you're like riding your horse from one plot over to your neighbor? Yeah, so yes, absolutely. So if you look on the map, you can see all the different plots and where they're allocated and they're all spread out across the map. And yeah, so maybe if you have like a house, you build something on it and you don't want someone to access inside your building, you'll be able okay. to do that. But as far as like, we're gonna have creatures in the game as well with uh, creature capturing kind of like Pokemon and they may wander across your plots and people can kind of walk on the outside and through that. And there are like separate plots, but they're all interconnected in the whole met, uh, TCG world infrastructure, right? So, okay, so, um, so that's- be spaces. Yeah, so terrain. that's feel like a continuous world as opposed to kind of separated islands. Okay. Okay, that's yes. cool. And then the commercial plots that you said can be rented, where are those? Yeah, so they're in the center of each of the four regions. And we also okay. have a main. Um, if we, um, well, for this interview, um, but if anyone goes on TCG.world, you can see the full map where the main city center is in the middle. And then of the four regions, there's, there's city centers in each of the four regions. Okay, cool. And, uh, so, so you've got these commercial hubs surrounded by 25,000 private plots. And then are these four regions themselves connected or are they separated by water or how does that work? Yeah, so if you look at it, pretty much the the, the, the square of, of, of land, they're all pretty much interconnected. Yeah, there are terrains that could be lakes and kind of mountains and stuff, but Overall, like it's, it, you can pretty much travel through the, the whole map. Uh, we are going to have later, like, you know, planes and Pegasus where you can fly, but we also have vehicles like cars, Lambos, horses to travel amongst the metaverse. Um, so, yeah, they're all interconnected, but there will be 
terrain. So there might be some areas you have to kind of maneuver around. And then outside of the 100,000 pods, you can see we have a volcano area. We have like a festival area. We have beach and marina. We have a ski resort in the north region where there would be like a lot of snowboarding, snow activities. And then we have um, a golf region kind of by our east region. Then we have an ancient ruins, which is a pyramid. And this is all outside of the of the 100,000 public plots. So these okay. are things to do outside. Yep. Cool. Okay, so those are, the commercial plots are both managed by your team from an events point of view and from rental point of view and all of that. And then people have their private plots, which they can use for social experiences. And then in addition to those social experiences, like having a house, you're saying that layered on top of that are play to earn mechanics. So let's talk about that. Um, you, you said there was mining, so that's more like what I would call ruinscape, where anyone can kind of go around, look for crystals, mine them, and that has a value. Uh, they can yes. kind of, they will have a link to the coin, I assume. Uh, and then what, then you said, you've mentioned something like a Pokemon capture. So that that's, I guess, both of those mechanics are to promote people to explore and travel and, and see the map. Is that correct? Yes, that's, a, that's correct. Uh, we will have... So essentially the creatures will be free to capture and then you can involve them into different evolutions, the NFTs, and then you can trade those on our marketplace, which will be our pretty much our secondary marketplace, which we transacted in TCG coin, which is also our in-game currency. Uh, we also have learn to earn. We're already partnered with um, actually uh, SciDeck uh, Top uh, DAO. I'm sorry. It's an edu educational institution of about eight different universities and they're going to provide certified courses and then things like you can learn through them and then you get paid in TCG coin like learn to earn. We also have um, blockchain collective and she's blockchain savvy, which are blockchain certified courses as well. And so there's that's an aspect to it. Uh, we'll have different. So in events. other words, if I were to stop you there, the key point is if you come and get involved, whether it be exploring or learning or or growing as part of the community, TCG is going to find ways to reward you for participation. Absolutely. We will definitely find ways and it's allocated. And also, um, yes, it's free to play. Uh, so we're, you know, somewhere you might have to invest uh, some of these play to earn. Uh, we actually open to the public where you can not have to own land, just come in, free to do activities, have fun and potentially earn some TCG coin and crypto, which is transferable to fiat. So, right. Yeah. Now, now, those pets that people can collect and evolve and turn into an NFT, will they also have some utility on the platform? Can people keep those as pets? Uh, can people display them as ornaments? Can people ride them around as kind of vanity vehicles? Will that be possible too? Yeah, so uh, I would say what's great about the whole metaverse trend is that um, and play to earn is that we're going to have uh, NFTs with utility, right? And so... Uh, nothing like, you know, with the collections and digital pictures and do have utilities, you know, on their own. But I think we're going to have more like an interactive utility, like you mentioned, like uh, a Lamborghini that you can actually ride, like a Pegasus that you can actually fly in, creatures that you can actually battle within our metaverse, right? So they're going to have, um, and they're all going to be, uh, or you can build, if you watch one of our videos, we have a build uh, building mechanic, kind of like a sim style where you can snap um, and build a house. And then you can then pay a minting fee and that becomes an NFT that is tradable. But it's almost like you can interact with that house. You can put, if you have NFTs, you can display them within your house and, and you can actually look at it um, in a gallery. Um, and just want to mention we're also on that Unity gaming engine as a downloadable game. So graphically, um, we, uh, 
it's 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 better than just uh, web three browser based where graphics are kind of at a limitation and it's it's you know lag issues based on servers and sure. versus a downloadable sure. game. Let's let's take a moment there because Unity has the benefit of course being connected to the entire Unity ecosystem and Unity marketplace. So uh, let's talk about it from the point of view of artists and builders. Will people be able to upload custom items that they can then sell as an NFT? So they'll pay kind of, as you said, a minting fee. Uh, and then is that possible? And how will copyright work? Because, you know, there's, whenever it comes to things like Second Life and Unity Engines, a lot of people will upload stuff that's not really theirs. So how will you kind of be able to verify that? Yeah, so we will. Uh, we, we do plan to have an ecosystem where 3D modelers, 3D designers can actually make uh, income and have jobs within our metaverse where they can create custom builds and, and for, for our investors and bot owners. And so, so a lot of it's still in the works, but to my knowledge, I think one of our ways to kind of is that we'll have approval system with our, like our backend devs where you can, before you import something, they want to verify just to make sure we want to give them the freedom and flexibility to create within our means, but, in, you know, just for if there's inappropriate things or, you know, yeah. and, look, and, and, you know and, and having worked with the founders of Science and Second Life, I mean, there is also the optimization issue, right? Not all things that are pretty are, are made in, in, a, in a good way, right? They just aren't optimized. And for people that don't know necessarily what that means, the simplest way to think of it is think of every object you see in a virtual world as made of polygons, which is essentially triangles and squares. And sometimes when you see a very realistic face and you go ooh and ah, that could be made of 10 million squares, whereas someone else's kind of basic face could be made with, you know, a thousand. And that can have a major impact on different regions and stuff. And so the general kind of philosophy until now with games and platforms is uh, to limit the amount of uh, bandwidth that a a terrain or an area will use. And, you know, one of the ways to handle that is on the back end to set upper limits for clothing, for jewelry, uh, for furniture. And so, you know, that's an important screening process anyway, because, you know, one very poorly made texture could, could you know, slow down the entire region. Yeah, you're, right, you're getting into very technical stuff. I know we have limitations, like I think 20,000 polygons and you know, height limitations and all that. So that's the more technical side of things, but you're absolutely right. We, these are things that our tech team have already kind of implemented and um, kind of thinking ahead to make sure we prevent issues, like you said, like lag and load times and smooth operability and all of that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always been pro interconnectivity. You know, the, in Second Life, you had the, what's called mainland versus the private island estates. And private island estates really are fantastic for kind of a getaway or maybe a themed role play where you really want to gate the community. But for most people, what has made kind of uh, Roblox and stuff so fantastic is the idea that you can physically walk around and meet people. And so that interconnectivity is so important, but with that interconnectivity, interconnectivity comes the draw distance problems that as you're walking, you're gonna see your neighbors and that's loading as well on your computer and that's causing lag. And so finding that balance is always difficult, but I'm, I'm really glad that you've chosen to kind of interconnect everything around these big hubs, because you know, to me, like we're, in the NFT space now, we all live in Discord, but each of those Discord communities is essentially a private island, 
right? There's no, you can't just hop over. Yes, you can join as many groups as you want, but there's no explorative nature to it. Whereas the, the idea that, you know, I, I'll get myself an avatar, walk around, see another interesting looking avatar and go, wow, is that from a collection? Is that from a community? What's going on over there? And just find something interesting. I think that that's the aspect we don't yet have in Web3 that is going to be really exciting. Absolutely. I completely agree. I believe the social interactivity uh, connecting of a virtual world, um, just things to do together, interactive building businesses, um, whereas the social aspect, but also the the you know the monetization aspect of it but just overall just it's um yeah it's i don't think um that the potential is just massive uh, we've we've had glimpses you know like the virtual concerts like fortnite they did like you know probably travis scott ariana grande marshmallow and they had um you know people around the globe and they in terms of monetization uh, tens of millions in revenue because um, of the, the virtue of the, the scalability of, but it's almost like the interaction environment as well, which is what pretty much Web3 and metaverses will be able to, to bridge, uh, which I think gaming has already, you know, is already popular, is already, you know, social yeah, aspects. Exactly. Bridging everything together, Web3 into the metaverse, it's definitely, I think it's the next big social technological movement, right? It's, it's really like the next not just Web 3.0, but like the next big thing, like the internet, in my opinion. Right? Yeah, I mean, look, look, you know, you know, it's, it's almost like that everyone has forgotten that we had 15 years of Second Life and all of his counterparts. But the key thing that was so lacking in these places was proper ownership and proper, proper, you know, proper rights over your stuff. And I don't think, you know, because we all grew up on the internet where we were kind of just had login details to our own lives as opposed to actually owning stuff. I don't think people realized how much an impact that had on how we viewed stuff, whether it being games or platforms, right? I mean, for decades, people bitched about not being able to kind of take money out of Eve or World of Warcraft. And this shift that's happening as we change from kind of a Netflix subscription model to an Amazon model is what is empowering the reinterest. Because as I say, Look, you know, metaverse platforms struggle with identity, right? Until we really have virtual reality and augmented reality like Ready Player One, it's very hard to explain why someone would come on a social experience in something like the Sandbox Decentraland or TCG world. Games, as you said, are easier, right? Because you, people like an objective. And so to say, look, you know video games, we love video games, except here you can own your skins. If you win and you defeat a big boss, you can get claim rare rewards and change it for money. That makes a lot of sense. But I think why we're revisiting and willing to revisit social experiences like metaverse platforms is because of the combination of ownership and the Roblox model, which to me is the idea of, we should be having games integrated in these social platforms. You know, and, you know, the, the, there's a saying that you mentioned the Travis Scott concert, and that kind of epitomized to me the, the most important saying in the gaming world that came out of things, as far as I'm concerned. People who game together hang together, right? Places like Second Life struggled because no one knew what they were supposed to do over there, and you had your, only your diehards who wanted a social experience. But 
In World of Warcraft, you would regularly find 200 people hanging out in a guild hall, or as you saw in the kind of Fortnite. You know, it's like, let's have a concert together. Why not, right? We're really all friends. And so if you give them, you know, like you said, learn to earn, play to earn, explore to earn, socialize to earn, and you add on to that the many games that people can develop and people being able to have their space to bring people around for, you know, NFT collectible communities all want a space right now. I think those factors combined is why I'm much more bullish than I was in the past. Uh, okay, so after my rant, I do have a question. Right, no, great explanation. You, I, I mean, wow, you definitely, know, um, yeah, you definitely articulated extremely well. I would say like, wow, I, I, I commend you on that that was a fantastic explanation I, i'm the so, real deal i mean yeah. i've been through the yeah. whole <laughs> experience i'm like why did this work why didn't this work and uh, i really did want it to work you know i mean even you know even second life to this day uh you know i will pop in sometimes i've been attending a annual christmas event with friends in second life for eight years you know every year it's hosted in in a castle in the sky and i go and i see old friends or, you know, there's something called fantasy fair. I mean, the power of charities being harnessed in metaverse platforms has always been amazing. Uh, you know, um, Second Life had something called the annual fantasy fair, uh, and they would usually get between 20 to 30,000 people who would come for concerts, events, charity auctions, art lectures, live music events. And they've raised something, I believe, like $6 million over the last 14 years for Relay for Life. So the power of harnessing communities in virtual spaces is, is truly untapped and incredible. Because you don't even see that so much, uh, I think, on Facebook. Because I think, you know, here's the difficult part. With the game, people, you can pitch them the game and they're like, cool, that sounds decent. Let me give it a try. When you pitch just a pure social platform, people are like, what am I gonna do there? I've got Facebook or let's go for a coffee. But when you do get them through the door, then they're like, wow, this is so immersive, right? Like you don't even realize how immersive a pixel experience is gonna be when you're doing it with friends and there's a DJ and there's an event and oh, cool, let's go and try ride that Lamborghini or something. And two or three hours in, it's like, wow, I never expected this to be this immersive. And so I think what is gonna be great about all these metaverse platforms is, I think there's enough reason for people to come and give it a try for the first time, and then they're gonna stay. And uh, so that, 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 that excites me. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, to be completely honest, yeah, I don't have the experience of Second Life. I know that it's been around, so, um, but um, I, I was just always wondering like, so I guess the, the biggest, one of the biggest differentiators is just the whole blockchain technology of ownership of assets and, and kind of, um, yeah, much and, and, and I think, you know, I remember, I remember distinctly being in Second Life and, um, it was 2011 or 2012 and Minecraft just came out. And I remember, um, I'm not proud of it. We had a very snobbish moment where we were looking at Minecraft graphics and going, you know, why are we going eight years backwards? Like, what on earth are we doing? You know, we just laughed and laughed. And then Minecraft exploded. And following Minecraft came Roblox. And when I looked into them more, I realized that uh, the reality is most people want to be entertained. Within the framework of entertainment, they're happy to socialize, but they want to be entertained. And where Second Life kind of messed up 
or you know, it's, it's it's always easy to blame the OG, right? I mean, we you know a lot of people will poke at Axie Infinity now, but it's you know Second Life was trailblazing. There was no Facebook, there was no Instagram. But when Second Life started, they started at as a sim kind of system, a sim model where it was like, look, we'll give you the tools, you can be whatever you want, right? The name says it all. Second Life, and what I think Minecraft and Roblox understood so much more. And what I think Sandbox got right, and now what you guys are going to be adding is the understanding that there better be a lot of mini games and stuff to do from the very, very start. Because if you're going to rely completely on your player communities to build the stuff, people will not come because it, it, they don't understand what they're supposed to do there. And, and that's what I would say would be second last for this fall. As I say, again, Facebook took all of their executives and blew up at the time so that Facebook was still shiny. And uh, then there were some kind of scandals with people were exploring pedophilia. There were some disasters and Germany struck back at them. But ultimately, if I were to say the real thing that happened that they got wrong was they, they gave, um, they didn't create enough of that hybrid where sure you can come and do social things if you just wanna hang out and ride Pegasus all day, great for you. But for the majority of people, we speak in the terms of what's the goal, or what can I do there? Can I earn something? Can I run a business? And if we don't speak in that terminology and offer those things, these things don't work. And so that's yeah. where I think the ownership aspect is so important because once you start to attach a coin that you can earn and mine and stuff, that's when people are like, okay, that's worth me giving it a try, right? That's it's enough of an entry point incentive. Great, great explanation. Yeah. I, I've, I love the way how you explain things, but I agree. Um, like I said, the incentive of the ownership, but also their earning capacity. And then just, um, we, we, we recognize early on too, right? So our chief gaming officer, even our director of business development, huge gamers. Um, I was a big gamer earlier on, but they, they still continue the game. Um, actually, uh, Alex, he was um, the number one Halo player in the world at one time, uh, the old Halo um, rated, um, but anyways, just saying that we, we we understand from the gaming perspective, but it's all about being entertained, that feedback loop, right? We want to be like, hey, let me get off of work and just hang out for, you know, they're not even worried about making tons of money in crypto or anything. Let me just hang out on TCG World. Maybe I can also earn some money at the same time and just relax and look forward to capturing creatures or go to an efficient lake golfing, but in a virtual world, right? And so yeah. we want them to keep coming back. And that's what I guess, at least maybe some of these OGs they didn't really understand or capitalize or maybe at that time or the technology. And, but you're right, Roblox, just some quick statistics that uh, 200 million active users every month. And I believe from the age of eight to 12, uh, about 75% of kids um, play Roblox, right? That's, at least, and that's insane. And I believe the Gen Zs are the ones that are gonna very much embrace the whole metaverse virtual world at where it's going to be a mainstream where because they grew up with that and they understand that and they're the ones that are going to pretty much make it a you know yeah it's, this, it's is, almost this, is, this is so second nature to them i absolutely love speaking to teenagers these days because the vocabulary that they possess uh is inspiring to me uh you know because i will have a great conversation with my mother who's 75 and she will get nfts from the art point of view and then she'll be okay cool it's also a utility because it can be like a credit card and be an entry point to other places and she gets all of that but she can't despite playing bridge online with all her friends cannot really comprehend 
kind of hanging out in a guild hall or something like that. It just, it, it's not natural to her. Like I can take her in and she can see it, but it's not natural. And when I speak to, uh, as you said, I speak to my 12 year old niece and nephew, or I speak to 16 year olds or 19 year olds, they totally get it. Now, they have their own limitations or problems or maybe issues that we have to speak to. They expect to be entertained all the time, right? I mean, you know, 19 and downwards love to say the word I'm, term, I'm bored. And so that then does put a pressure on game masters and game creators, as you say, to create that constant loop of entertainment um, because it's, it's more along the lines of they call us chilling out but if I do want to do something, there better be five things for me to do if I open the activity guide. And, um, and so that's a balance you have to find. What I wanted to ask you is, uh, we've been, you know, we're kind of talking about your target market right now. So what made you choose Binance, uh, the Binance chain? Uh, and, and who would you say is your current market, both in terms of demographics geographically and age demographics? Yeah, so initially our coin uh, launched in May. And so we actually had, uh, we, we launched on the Binance Smart Chain. And at the time it was just, you know, it's like, a, we didn't go through the traditional ICO, IDO. Um, our, our CEO was, was well-funded before he was, he, like I said, initially it was a trading card platform, we got into the metaverse. So we started kind of like um, in that kind of like, we launched ourselves on the Binance Smart Chain. It was just what was popular at the time. But we recognized early on, if we want to be a big competitor, like a blue chip, we want to be, you know, a top metaverse play to earn game, then we had to, we had to change. So what we did do back in August of last year, we, we migrated to our V2, which is a cross chain, any EVM compatible blockchain. So, uh, you know, our initial liquidity is still on Binance Smart Chain, but we're EVM compatible to Ethereum, Polygon Matic, uh, talking to Avalanche, uh, even Harmony at the moment. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and earlier this morning, we talked to another layer two that's very up and coming and and so we're we're we recognize that and so we're cross-chain now and we're trying to get more exposure but initially binance smart chain also as well maybe it was just easier fees are cheaper especially if you look at the utility of a metaverse um you don't want high gas fees like ethereum like when you're doing transactions here and there so a lot of these layer twos on ethereum though that we're actually talking to can be very good kind of bridges and you know avalanches a lot of these they're great you know, and I think for the utility aspect and for the for making it a more of a seamless experience, uh, I think we're going to be leveraging a lot of these um, other layer two blockchains. And so, so yeah, but we're cross chain now, and then our target now, market. The cross chain aspect helps for your coin. Will you be exploring something like a Dex for the NFTs themselves? Yeah. So it's it's those. So we actually launched. Uh, we have a ten thousand dragon NFT drop on OpenSea now, and it's actually um, Ethereum. Uh, it's a it's a it's a ER seven tunnel, but it's it's because uh, most of OpenSea's Ethereum um, on the Ethereum blockchain. So um, and it is unique how we had to bridge. So we're in the, in the, we're in the talks of kind of bridging some of our BSC um, cross chain NFTs. You know, there's 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 projects that we're speaking to. It's it's kind of like still early on with this whole cross chain NFT cross chain. Uh, but yes, we, we we anticipate to to be able to be cross chain compatible with our NFT marketplace as well. And then, so it just, just opens up more accessibility. Yeah. Right? Well, and I mean, I know right. that, you know, Axie Infinity has its own decks uh, and big time has chose to be chain agnostic. So they essentially almost have a 
a marketplace model where they do require people to do KYC, so it can be a bit controversial. I know everyone's trying to find you know, a balance between speed of transactions as well as very low cost fees. Uh, so I, I assume you'll be exploring that as well. I mean, the coin's almost the easy part, right? Cross-chain coins now, it's just a matter of liquidity pools. But yeah. the NFTs themselves, I think, is the more difficult question because you need them to have usability within the platform. And yet people then also want to be able to buy and sell them without kind of paying high bridging fees. So uh, how, where do you envision you guys will be going with that? Yeah, so um, like I said, there's, there's a, uh, I was at ETH, um, ETH Denver. And so there's just one project that comes to mind that, but I think there's a lot more, but there's um, a platform called Connects. I don't know if Connects. Um, they, they're kind of not just, you know, you could say tokens are more, but then they, they're also specializing on their V2 with cross-chain NFT platforms. And um, uh, we, we have a pretty big blockchain and team. And, you know, of course, instead of building on our own, if we can leverage an already existing product and integrate it within our metaverse. But as of now, um, you know, I think Binance Market in the crypto market, you know, Ethereum, it's, it's, um, Ethereum is, is the main kind of smart contract platform and everything. But I, as of right now, if we, if we kind of people have to enter Binance Smart Chain, but it's just the, I think that just the, the fees and accessibility for now, um, but we're looking to expand. But ideally, like our land plots are on BSC, but we want to be able to bridge them into Ethereum, Matic, and, you know, potentially sell on these, you know, marketplaces like OpenSea or Rarible or any of these other marketplaces, right? That maybe the other chains and we want to be, uh, like I said, blockchain agnostics as well through NFTs and in the token and just make it a seamless experience. And so we're, we're working towards that to be just accessible. And, uh, Great. and that's why yeah, blockchain because, because, Yeah, because when, when people split collections over multiple chains, you know, like some people are doing it, they've taken their NFT collection and it's half on Ethereum and some's on Binance. I'm really not thrilled with that. You know, this is why I'm kind of more in favor of the DEX mentality like Axie Infinity has. Provided, provided that, you know, we don't then have centralization risks where the founders can just like Axie does with all due respect, bans Axies. And I, I, I have a problem with that, right? Because it's supposed to be true ownership. Uh, so if you can find the balance between true ownership but a DEX, I do think that, that that is the most beneficial because then, as, a, as you said, people can then bridge it over when they want to sell it or want to take it out or want to move it themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, there, there's actually something that, my CEO shared at a meeting earlier today, and I just kind of mentioned it. I'm sure cool. he watches it, but, but but no, but ideally, you know, we're we're you know, there's the centralization aspect. We're building the infrastructure. We're bringing the communities in, but ultimately, our goal is to kind of create like what they call not only just DAOs, but I believe this the central DACs, which are decentralized autonomous companies, where truly we're trying to become like a very decentralized metaverse where. The community is going to be like run with through the community, through the businesses, through the investors, and we're you know we're building the infrastructure and all that. But we really want it to be kind of like just like as decentralized as it could be, uh, you know, especially with all this you know SEC com coming down in crypto and all that. We want to really try to aim towards decentralization. And yeah, look, I mean, you know, you know, I'm I'm the big champion of DAOs. I do very believe, much believe in them, but at the same time, it is important. Uh, that you have competent people, you know, on the council. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, one can find a happy medium where 
um, you know, maybe the community has a certain, you know, number of seats to fill with votes and a certain number of seats remain with the team. Uh, you know, there's ways to explore it, but I, I am thrilled to hear that that's something you guys are looking into. Uh, one more question I had is, let's talk about the land. So you mentioned, I believe, 75% of the 100,000 have been sold. Is that correct? Uh, no, about uh, 22%, a little 22%. over 22,000. Okay. Cool. So let's talk at this from the point of view of landowners uh, and, and from the point of view of guilds. Why would someone want to own land other than for the social fun experience from it? Why would people want to own land, uh, private estates in TCG world? Yeah. So, you know, um, just mentioned that land, there's only 100,000 plus, or just like any NFT, but it's, it has a utility. And so what comes with the land, there's a lot of different benefits. Um, one, you know, the, the value in the future, just like a, any type of real estate asset, right? So we're in pre-sale. Um, you know, it's all in speculation, but if you can compare it to other oh, metaverse, meaning as, as, as the active user base grows so with limited supply, capital appreciation should take place as well. Yeah, yeah. but uh, just, just to give some actual hard numbers and, and, and statistics is that, so we had four different uh, regions. There's diamond, platinum. Uh, gold and silver. And so right now we're still in our gold and silver pre-sale plots, but our diamond and platinum have the pre-sales have already been sold. And so for diamond plots, uh, full, the, the market price is 20 BNB and uh, for platinum it's 12 BNB. And we've actually had people have bought both diamond and platinum for their full price. Um, I, I believe well over like 50 to 100 plots of each, meaning there's already, the floor is already created and the demand after the pre-sale, right? And then and for gold, it's supposed to be seven BNB after the pre-sale is over. And then for silver, it's four BNB. So that's on, on that. But then you can build a land. There's, you can potentially build a business, passive income. So let's talk, about the, let's talk about the business and rentals and stuff. So can people make mini games on their land? Uh, can they make rentals? Uh, like could, could they develop it into a residential zone and, and put rentals? How, how is that expected to work? Like, how, how can people monetize? Can people mine for gems on their land? Let's talk about the different utilities. Yeah. So the biggest thing is the building aspect of it. You can build uh, houses and, and, and different, like, you know, for the business and all that aspect. Um, we're looking into kind of, uh, we're going to have a white paper on it, but to be honest, building a whole rental um, kind of ecosystem is it requires a lot of work, but we do have we do intend to have some type of um, ecosystem, renting land or like you know parts of it, and even like business revenue share for a lot of these investors that maybe they have a lot of land and they they want to kind of outsource it like just like a real business. And yeah, they can create things like some of our potential partners that we've talked to, like Escape Room, right? So they're in a commercial business, but let's say even at a smaller level. If you're able to create some interactive experience like a virtual escape room and then you can monetize that you know a lot of these different like a commerce business um so we'll be able to stream just like um if you let's say if you had something internet based that does a lot of video streaming uh you know we've talked to some movie directors and maybe celebrities like you, not just a concert but let's say if you had some type of behind the scenes, you're directing a movie and then you want to be able to stream it just like you were to stream. Um, and so that could, you know, be a business where you can monetize in that regard. Um, anything with the capacity of the Unity gaming engine um, I, that you can build within your land can be a possibility. And then, um, so yeah, it, it could be very diverse, you know, and I, I would also say that, um, yeah, 
I just say if if you have any commerce business in the internet, you can just kind of just build an interface in, in your business and then add your own flavor to it, right? You can build your own headquarters. Advertising, exactly. You can make a, yeah. a retail store with a physical location, embassies, right? Cool, cool. Okay. Um, and then I would say the final question for you today is how does this relate to things like guilds? Uh, why would a guild, like a gaming guild, want to own land uh, in TCG world and maybe not just a, a standard play to earn? What, what, what's the yeah. goal for, for a guild? That's, that's great that you mentioned that because we're actually um, talking a lot about because there's a lot of these guilds recently that are very interested already starting for TCG. So there's one. Um, so none of them are officially verified, I would say, by TCG at the moment. But there's one. Um, so there's a Lava Heads. And so how what Lava Heads is we had when we had the TCG dragon drop, the the, 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 the mythic the mythic dragon. Um, so it's an actual dragon in the game. It's a flying dragon, breeze fire, and it was the rarity. And TCG was actually willing to pay fifty thousand for the person that won that award to own to have the dragon, but he didn't want to. He kept it. He didn't sell it. So he still owns that. But then he decides to create this guild called the Lava Heads, which is in the, the volcano. There's there's still things to be revealed, but along the aspects is like every NFT holder is going to be dropped eggs. And then these eggs can breed into dragons. And so they create this guild about dragons and they, everyone starts buying plots around the volcano and their guild's going to, things related into like just dragons and their guild is just connected together and they all bought the plots and they're going to do business together, activities and so on and so forth. And then um, we have some other in the works. So they're not, uh, the, but we have probably one of the biggest land sales that we'll ever have or in any metaverse I just say there's seven figures of there's this group investment group that wants to be the biggest guild within any metaverse, right? And so why is that? They 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 want to give away some plots and do activities, but also just, I mean, that's a lot of land that they're trying to buy. It's almost like ten percent um, of 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 our total land in one purchase, right? It's it's pretty big. Um, um, but anyways, why would they do that? Well, they, I'm sure they have a lot of plans for, for what they want to do in their guilds. And then there's also these smaller guilds. Maybe they just, they, you know, they become advocates. They, they, like, they like our metaverse from what they see on the market now. They see what they can do. They just, so just a lot of our community as well are just starting to build guilds. Um, I, I, you know, I think guilds, I, I, I'm not, I wasn't a big World of Warcraft or a lot of these MMOs like League of Legends, but I know guilds are very, it's like a pack, right? It's like a, it's like a game. Yeah, like yeah, this. for sure. In other words, there's, I, I, I mean, there's the social guilds, right? We could say NFT collectible communities are collectible guilds and communities. But I, I predominantly mean, is there a more of a crossover from the play to earn gaming side where people could bring in their gaming squad uh, and kind of create a, maybe a mining business, or as you said, kind of oh. uh, a hatching business. But I think that that will develop in time. I, I think, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you're this balance between social and mini games. And so we'll start to see uh, as you develop, uh, you know, again, maybe the guild comes in and creates a land rental business, right? Where we choose to develop, you know, three large pl plots of land and create little stores and everyone in, in kind of in the guild can get a job over there managing or doing something. So there are opportunities as, as your ecosystem develops. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's also, I don't know, like Twitch, Twitch streamers or esports or they have kind of like guilds where they. Yeah, that's what them. I mean. Yeah, so maybe. Um, you know, there are some interests of those as well as we're live, they might stream and create their own guilds, I guess, in the 
streaming world, but also within the metaverse. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, there's definitely so many opportunities that are, are to be unveiled. And I think there's a lot of creativity, a lot of things that maybe, um, yeah, that we haven't even thought of yet that maybe these fields will kind of create within our metaverse and their own experiences. So it's exciting to, to know that the community is going to drive a lot of the creation of the metaverse. Yeah. So that's what's yeah, very so exciting. I, I, I'm going to put your Discord links anyway, and people can come and ask these questions and, and watch how it's being developed and, and, you know, and then come up with ideas, I guess, on, on how to play and earn, play to earn, learn and earn, uh, and all of those opportunities. Anyway, I, I think that that has about covered uh, all the things I wanted to ask. So thank you again, Eric, for this. Um, you know, time zones, East Denver, it's always difficult to get together, but I do really appreciate this. And uh, we will be following you closely. And, um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll make my ETH pitch because, you know, I'm very close to Holy Mother ETH. But, um, you know, the, the more you can integrate this into either a, um, so, you know, chain agnostic solution or as close to Ethereum as possible, uh, the more, you know, I and uh, a lot of investors I speak for with Fat Cats and Crown Capital uh, would be interested because I think that that's the biggest hurdle for us. We want these metaverse platforms to succeed, but we really also want to stay as close to uh, Ethereum as possible for now, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we recognize that um, hopefully being um, cross-chain, you know, um, we, we, we plan to, we're, we're uh, just a legend, we are doing our like a, a liquidity pre-sale build for the Ethereum side of things on, on a DEX for Uniswap. So um, that is kind of in the works right now. We, we're, we're partnered or with a group of Ethereum investors. But yeah, I would love to, I really appreciate it with this interview. Um, it's fantastic. You're extremely incredible, knowledgeable guy. And I love this conversation. I love vibing with people that are, that just, just know exactly what we're talking about and just, and, and I, I learned a lot and a lot of great insight just from, from just your speaking, your experience with metaverses, play to earn and second life and everything. I, I really appreciate the, the experience of, of today. So thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. And uh, thank you to all my subscribers and listeners. And if you like this content, do please hit the like button and subscribe button because I'll be uploading these regularly. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you very much, Dylan.